0: I read the Bible reading. I just want to tell you this week I had uh, a new revelation. It might sound bad, um, but it was this the devil is better at his deceit and his lies and his ways than I will ever be. He's more powerful and he's smarter. I also know that um, my flesh is more powerful than me and smarter in an evil sort of way and that the world is also the same. That doesn't sound hopeless, does it? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. That's the answer the, the Bible gives us to all of that. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ because he has defeated the world. He has defeated the flesh. And as we're going to look at today, he's defeated the devil. So reading from 1 John 3 verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. That's right. I don't know where I'm up to. Yeah. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would bring to life this word uh, from your word this morning in the power of your spirit to us and to all who listen at a later time uh, on the the internet in some form, Father, that your Holy Spirit would also be moving them, changing them and bringing them your life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's two two sort of parts to that passage. One is talking at the start and at the finish, it's talking about children of God who don't go on sinning, which is good to know because none of you go on sinning. That's right. We're going to talk about that next week. Uh, because there's a sense where the Bible does this strange thing. If you read Romans 6, it says you've got victory over sin. I've got victory over sin. Then you read Romans 7, and he says to be stuck in his sin. If you read John 1 John 1, he says, any, uh, if, you, if you say you have no sin, the truth's not in you. And here he says that if you're a child of God, you won't sin. Right? So, do we have bipolar? Well, find out next week. Uh, For now, we're going to focus on the bit in the middle of this passage, which is really uh, concentrating on verse 8, which says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. He destroyed the devil's works. Do you understand that? I talked about, it sounded hopeless when I talked about what I couldn't achieve, what I was powerless, what I was not smart enough to do. He has destroyed the devil's works. It's not something that he calls us to do. He calls us into what he's done. Okay. Do you get that? He has defeated the devil's works. Okay. Now, John speaks there about the condemnation that our, that our law disobedience, when we disobeyed, disobeyed, disobeyed the law, it brought us condemnation. And so he's saying, yes, you've broken God's law, that makes you guilty. But secondly, he says, when you broke God's law, you actually listen to the evil one and you put yourself under his kingdom. So sin is disobeying God's law. It's unrighteousness, but it is also identifying with the devil. Adam and Eve broke God's law when they listened to the devil. Understand that the two go together, and in one sense, I'm speaking more on the first part next week. But Jesus came to earth and he entered into a great battle, a great fight, and he was victorious over the devil and his works, what he had done, which is what we're going to talk a little bit about. But understand this Jesus didn't beat the devil with superior strength, he didn't go in with a bigger sword. He didn't go in with bigger muscle. If we have a war today, we think the one who is strongest will win. True? Jesus went in and he, with arms outstretched, took every piece of abuse, every bit of guilt, every bit of hatred that the devil threw at him, and he didn't fight back. He stood, or he he was crucified, and he acted in love. That's more powerful, and it's, it's not the way that we would defeat an enemy. And his work was completed with his resurrection. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But Jesus destroyed, that's past tense, the work of the devil. And we need to know that the, his resurrection means the devil will not win. He may have his day in our life, and he may have another day and another day, but he will not win. He will not prevail. Do you know that? Sometimes we feel like we're hit from all sides. And the reason is because we're hit from all sides. The devil will not prevail. Okay, but well, we are going to look into some of the mechanics of the evil one. What are the devil's works? How does he operate? He's called in the scripture the adversary, or the word Satan means adversary. The one who's against, opposed to. And he was in the in the in the he was in the garden from the beginning. He was opposed to God in a place where humanity and the world was made absolutely perfect. Entered this one, and he brought something with him. He's called the Morning Star in some places, and some translations will say that's Lucifer. He's called the God of this world, the God of this age, the serpent, the Prince of this world, the Accuser, the Destroyer. And one we're going to talk about a bit today, the strong man. And he introduced with his temptation, sin, evil, misery, hatred, everything horrible into this world on that one moment. He spoke to the first couple and he enticed them to stand against the good creator. And the world has lived with the pain of that ever since. Because the Bible says at that point the world becomes the kingdom of Satan. That's strong, isn't it? And the world produces endlessly the works of the devil. Jesus came to conquer the kingdom of Satan and to introduce his own kingdom. And the Bible speaks of these two kingdoms. Jesus speaks of the prince of this world being the devil. Of course, he's the king, isn't he? The Bible speaks of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of the Son of God, the kingdom of the Son he loves. And there is a conflict between light and darkness. There is a conflict between good and evil, and we know it every moment of our lives. So what does the devil mostly seek to achieve by his works? Understand it's really simply to separate men and women from God. That's what he wants to do. Do you understand that? God created humanity for himself to be in a relationship with himself and the devil seeks to separate you from God. Which means what about your life? What is the most important thing about your life? Fellowship with God. Most important thing. Fellowship with God. The one thing the devil tries to ruin. He may use sin and deceit and all sorts of lies, but that is his ultimate aim. He wants to ruin, spoil, mar, destroy the glorious works of God in this world, particularly in his people who were made to shine his glory, to live with the joy or live in the joy of the Lord. The devil is described as crafty, a schemer, a liar, a murderer, deceitful. In John 8, he's described by Jesus as the father of all lies. All of his works spring from lies, and he persuades men and women to believe those lies. And that results in joylessness. So I've really been learning through one John. The heart of what John is saying is, you want joy in your life? Have fellowship with God. Without evil, there would only be joy in this world. There would be no drunkenness, no unfaithfulness, no fighting, no divorce, no wars, no arguments. Actually, all of these spring from a lie of Satan. Because the devil began and he goes on convincing people of a lie, firstly about God himself. What the devil did right from the beginning, and he continues to do, is to convince the man and woman at that point in a perfect world that there was more than what they could see. God was holding out on the blessing. The blessing had to be better than what they had. They could reach a higher level. Actually, in one sense, he was saying, you know, God, he doesn't love you. He's enslaving you in some sort of second-rate life. But I'm offering you something far greater. You can be like God. Not just under God. Now we don't believe that, do we? Except for when things don't go our way, who do we blame first? God. He's not acting the way he should. He's not blessing me the way I think he should bless me. He's holding out on me. He's not doing it right. The second lie that the devil brings us is about, it, about God's law. He tries to tell us that the law is binding us and, and, and ruining our joy. It's not the best way for humanity to live. It's restrictive. God says this, but it would be so much better if you did it another way. An example is simply marriage. God says the best way for sexual expression is marriage between a man and a woman. If you do it, and and the world says, if you live like that, you're decreasing your pleasure. God's law is not the best way. There is a way that, that doesn't limit your potential. Break God's law, live in sin. God doesn't know what's best for us. We know what's best for us. That's what we're saying. And so, then when you uh, look at the gospel and what the gospel calls us into faith in Christ and fellowship with Him, it seems to be second rate. It's like there's all this blessing out here. I talked about marriage, but in every aspect of life, you can be just blessed so much by not living by God's law and not living God's way. And then you've got this gospel, which is for. It's just a little bit short of the mark, isn't it? It's narrow. It's not blessings, as the world offers. Living a life of righteousness in Christ, that's so second rate. The devil makes it sound like we're missing out by living God's way. Because he says, you can be like God's. You can be God. Life will be far greater for you if you live My lie. So come and be blessed. That's what the devil says. But the consequences of sin are horrendous. We see that. Satan's way of doing things hasn't changed. He still calls us to break God's holy law. He still makes it enticing and says if you don't follow God's way, it's going to be more fun, more joy. don't break God's law, but there's another way of interpreting it, which says the opposite to what God's saying. Go that way. The devil says, in his lies, the best life you can live, right, is when you live how you like, when you live doing whatever you like, with whatever you like, buying whatever you like, having the power to rule over your own life. Absolute freedom because the devil puts this forward. It's all about me. And if I could have freedom to do everything I like at any moment, I would have joy. There I are. I've just undermined every TV commercial I've ever written. You can have joy if you buy this new thing that grinds up carrots. Uh, no, All of it's saying there is stuff you can get to make you have joy and there's a way you can live to have joy. But God says this, is to love, to serve, to be humble, to put others first. It's actually the opposite, isn't it? And the lie sounds like more of a blessing. I want the freedom to just, to just live, to drive through Paris in a sports car with the wind blowing through my hair. Um, yeah, okay, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> the only thing that I can't get is a sports car um, I can have and do whatever I like then I will have joy and, and, and that's not it It's, it's ser- living and serving and um, loving others and putting others first oh, that's such a burden isn't it says the devil God's holding out on you he's telling you a second rate way of living Come my way, and I will give you the greatest of joy. And we know, every one of us knows, when you have the Holy Spirit, it's easy to reject the, spirit, the, spirit, the, spirit, the, spirit, the spirit, you know, that's just rubbish. And yet, every day we're sucked into the same thing. We just keep getting drawn into it. Nothing will go wrong, says the devil. You live my way. But, you know, there's this in the old uh, King James Version that said something like this in Proverbs The way of the transgressor is hard. Sounds easy, it sounds great. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Don't be fooled. You can live the lie right through your life and if you look at other people, you see other people living in that lie and you think, they are having so much fun and then that that person commits suicide and you think, what's that about? The person who is always happy, the person who has everything because the way of the unfaithful is hard, the way of the transgressor is hard. So, to sum up that, Satan wants to rob people of true life, which means fellowship with God. That's what he wants to rob people of, by doing a mega replacement. This will be better, he says. And he gives you something which was bought from an information channel. He gives you something that will break the second time you use it. Something that will offer a little bit of joy, and all of a sudden you'll end up with a bitter taste in your mouth. And you'll have regret and pain. He, he replaces the truth of God with a lie. False pleasure. So I want to just also sum up by saying this. If you think there is anything, if we, if I think there is anything in this world that will bring you true joy apart from fellowship with God, you're wrong. I'm wrong. Do you understand that? That means I'm wrong most days, so don't let me don't feel like I'm looking down on anyone here. Everyone who lives in the lie puts himself under the reign of the evil one. But I'll, 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 there's a parable Jesus says, and he talks about a strong man. In Luke eleven twenty one, he says, when a strong man, fully armed. Guards his own house, his possessions are safe. Now in the context of that passage, he's talking about the evil one. He's saying the evil one has some possessions in his house. When you live in Satan's house, you live as a slave to Satan. Jesus says, anyone who sins is a slave of sin. You're kept in the devil's stronghold. You're in captivity, thinking you're free. And the evil one keeping you in his tyranny. Living out of fellowship with the Father. Living in... A miserable world. But the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. That's the reason, it says. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So when a strong man fully armed guards his house, his possessions are safe. But when someone's stronger, who's stronger than the devil? The one who destroys his works, that's Jesus. When someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. Did you hear that good news? That Jesus has stormed the castle of the evil one and he has brought his plunder out? And guess what? We're the plunder. He has brought us out. He has saved us. He has set his people free from the dominion of darkness. The devil is too strong for us. He's too powerful. He's too smart. But Jesus has defeated the devil and his works. And even now, as Christians, we know Jesus is our Saviour. We sing that song, He's our Rescuer. Colossians 1 says, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Now, that's, that's a great memory verse. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Remember it. Okay? Remember that. Take that home. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that's the kingdom of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. When, Je- when God sent Jesus his Son, Jesus undid the lie of Satan. Firstly, it was clearly displayed when God sent his Son in love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Right? We know that. What it's saying is, we thought that he didn't love us. We thought he was holding out on us. And then when we were in all our misery, and all our horror, and all our sin, he sent his son in love. How about that? He didn't, he didn't hate us after all. He wasn't trying to squash us down. He actually loves us. He delights in his children. The world hated God It rebelled against God and he still showed us his love by sending his son. And his son undid the works of the devil. He came because God loved us. God was not trying to enslave us. And Jesus lived the truth. He never lived the lie. He never sought his own glory. He did not seek to be served but to serve. He didn't look for his own thing. He delighted in doing the Lord's will. His pleasure was doing the Father's will. He delighted, I'll say it again, in doing the Father's will. Can you see the the opposite to the works of the devil? To delight, to obey the law. And he cast out demons. He set people free from the slavery and the power of evil. But those, those miracles of casting out demons were a sign and they pointed to something bigger. I am destroying the works of the devil. Yep. They were a small sign of something massive he was doing. But you see, it wasn't just driving out evil, was it? He didn't just um, cast out a demon. He said at one point, if you cast out a demon and it's not replaced with anything, it's like seven demons will come back. What he's saying is... It, it, I don't just get rid of evil, I bring in my righteousness, I fill you with my Holy Spirit so that you can live in the fullness of God. He reconciled people to a relationship with God, He restored their fellowship, otherwise, it's pointless. You see, just getting rid of evil hasn't restored us to what we were created for fellowship with God. So, joy is not just an absence of evil. Joy is fellowship with God. And Jesus restored us to the way that we're intended to be. He restored our relationship with God. And so, think about this. This means this joy from fellowship with God can come to anyone. You see, the world's saying, this is how you have joy. You've got to have this, this, and this, and this, and this. And and God is saying... Fellowship with me is everything. So, you see, how could you truly be joyful if you live in the slums of India? The answer is through fellowship with the Father. Can you get that? Without any of those other things, in the hidden church in China, in the in the the, the, you know the drought ravaged Ethiopia, how can those people have joy through fellowship with the Father? And the devil says, "And and you, but you can get more. There's the steak knives. But the trouble is, that the steak knives—they become everything, and they're nothing. Because you see, we are made for fellowship with God, and that's. Joy. I know I'm repeating myself there. But you see, what Jesus did on the cross by taking our sins and taking our guilt, and taking the anger of God. ...against our sin and taking our condemnation was... ...he did that not just to cleanse us... ...but to reconcile us. And then when he was raised from the dead... ...he conquered the enemies... ...the last enemy which was called death... ...because death comes from guilt and sin. The resurrection showed us once and for all... ...the devil's works have been destroyed... Jesus will win. Jesus will win in the end. When this world seems to be out of control, it's not, Jesus will win. And Jesus in this life is continuing to set people free from evil. He's drawing more and more people in the kingdom of God. He is continuing to plunder the strong man's house. And one day, a great multitude will be gathered in the house of God. And one day... The devil will be thrown into the lake of fire. The Revelation says he knows his end is coming and he's furious about that. He can't do anything about it. He seeks to attack God's people. But his works have been destroyed and he has been defeated by our Saviour, the Son of God. And the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. One day, it will all be gone. There will be no more temptation. He'll be in that fiery pit. There will be no one to whisper in our ear. And we will know this. God is good. His laws are good. He loves us. He's not holding out on us. He has the best life ever for us. And we'll have pure joy fellowship with the Father. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bring to us knowledge again that Jesus has defeated the works of the devil. We feel under attack again and again, both from our without and also from our sinful natures within. so remind us again that you have won this battle. and Father where we've let things get in the way where we've let things give us joy which really don't give joy I pray that you'd expose those that we could confess them up get rid of them and Father I pray that our greatest desire would be fellowship with you I pray that this would be our priority and that we could leave ourselves behind a selfishness, self centeredness, and Father, we could live the way you called us to live in love. Loving our brothers and sisters, loving those around us, but most of all, loving you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.